You know, it's a sin to make the pastor cry before he preaches. Al. You know why that song was so good? Because Al knows he's been redeemed. We're going to talk about that today. My name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. It's our first Easter together as a church family. It's wild. Uh, Thank you for choosing to spend it with us here today. Um, We're taking a break from our series about Jesus in Genesis, and we're going to talk about resurrection hope. There's this story in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. I'm not going to read all the verses to you, but I'm going to walk you through the story. It's a pretty amazing story. And it is the week that hope died. In verse 13 to 16, it tells this part. So what's going on is there are two men who had been followers of Jesus, and they're walking down this road to this town called Emmaus to meet up with some of the other disciples. And you know what they're talking about? They're talking politics. No, they are. They're talking politics. Matter of fact, they're talking about the whole thing about the crucifixion and these rumors about a resurrection, and there's talk in the whole region about what's going on. And there are passionate opinions on both sides. Some who are glad Jesus is dead. Some who are sad he's dead. Some who thought he was going to resurrect. And some who know he's going to resurrect. And there are people on all different sides. And to understand, and this is not a joke, I'm I'm being serious. It's not unlike the election we just had. There are great passions. There's anger, resentment, disappointment. And some were thrilled. And some were saddened. These two men were among those who were discouraged and distressed. Along with others who had hope that Jesus would do something for them. And that hope had been crushed. They had hoped that Jesus would redeem Israel from the tyranny of Rome. There's the political aspect of it. They hated Rome. They couldn't believe they had to live under Rome's hand. And they just knew that when Jesus came in on Palm Sunday, he came in in the donkey with all the people celebrating Hosanna in the highest. They knew, oh, this is Messiah. This is the one who is going to destroy and vanquish evil from the kingdom of David. They weren't looking for hope spiritually, to be rescued or redeemed from sin. I mean, after all, they had the temple for that, right? They had their religion. They would have been, in today's modern day, the best Baptist you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) They were good at it. They didn't need spiritual redemption. They had that covered with their efforts and their actions. What they wanted was political redemption. But then the circumstances have crushed their dreams, destroyed their hopes. Jesus is dead. And he died a brutal death, embarrassing, whipped, beaten, crown of thorns pushed into his head, side pierced, naked, hanging on the cross in public. For a Messiah who was going to restore the kingdom of David, this was the most shameful way for him to die. It would have been better off had he been assassinated in private. But no, he was dead in a way that everybody could see. Oh, he's dead. And on top of that, there had been rumors that in three days he would come back. Well, it's been three days and these guys are saying, 
Our hopes were a joke. Our hopes are dashed. They're done. Their hope in pre-crucified, pre-resurrected Jesus was political and earthly. Now, their hope was sincere. And they were passionate about their hope. And that passion for that hope drove their decisions. It drove their behavior. It drove their actions. It drove their priorities. It dominated everything about who they were for three years. But there's a problem. That hope was not resurrection hope. It was earthly hope. Let's talk about the theology of this passage. I want to talk about how meeting resurrected Jesus changes everything. <clears throat> See, Jesus joins them on their road to him, and they're talking on this road to Emmaus, and they're talking about, can you believe this has happened? I can't believe he's dead, and he was supposed to come back, and he didn't come back, and now we're without this hope, and what are we going to do? We've got to wait for another Two or three thousand years for another Messiah. This could have everything lined up. We could see how it all lined up. He was saying these things. He did miracles for goodness sakes. How can this not be the one? And now he's dead. And Jesus joins them. But he hides who he is from them. He just kind of joins them and they don't recognize him. Let me just read to you what happens, okay? And Jesus says to them, What is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, they stopped, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you just a visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have been happening here these last few days? And Jesus says, Hmm, what things? <laughs> Such a smarty pants, that Jesus. <laughs> and they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed. In other words, he taught good and he did miracles. He was mighty indeed in word before God and all people. And about how our chief priests, our very religious leaders that we look to for guidance, and the rulers of our temple, they delivered him up to be condemned to death, and then they crucified him. But we had hoped, here's what they say to Jesus, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, now it's the third day since he died. And some women of our company amazed us that they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen visions of angels who said he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it. The women said he was not there. But him they did not see. And they were confessing, we don't believe it. I mean, if they did, why would they be sad? Uh, they said he was resurrected, but I haven't seen any resurrected Jesus. So this is the story that you missed. I can't, where have you been? You've been in Bradenton? <laughs> Northport? It's just a joke, people. So he asked what they're talking about. They are stunned he hasn't heard about everything that's going on. They explain the whole process, the whole story, and they confess their skepticism in all this resurrection talk. And then Jesus does something amazing. He's still hiding his identity, by the way. They still don't recognize him. He takes them to school. Look what he says. And he says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe 
all the prophets have spoken to you? In other words, that's silly for you not to listen to what the prophets have been saying for thousands of years. And Jesus says, was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Not your glory, his glory. See, their glory was political. His glory was eternal. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures of things concerning himself. Translation, it was a really long walk. <laughs> and these guys are walking to Emmaus and Jesus is talking about, let me tell you about Isaiah. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was bruised, you know, crushed for our transgressions and by his stripes were healed. And then goes through the Psalms and he goes through Genesis, the pictures of Jesus in Genesis. You know, the Noah's Ark was even a picture of this guy, Jesus. I'm telling you all these things. And he's going through all these things and he's explaining and he goes from beginning to end. And at the end, the guys are amazed. And they want to hear more from this stranger who seems to have incredible knowledge. So they invite him to stay. Listen, it's a long day. Just stay for the night. So let me just read this part of the story to you. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, remember what just happened like a week or a few days earlier? He was at the table with them. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then suddenly, oh, this is amazing. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Can you imagine the chill up and down their spine? Oh my gosh, we've been walking for these hours listening to Jesus, the resurrected one, talking about the scriptures. And it took us seeing him break the bread like he did at the Last Supper to recognize who he is. And then the moment they recognize it, the scripture says, and then he vanished from their sight. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Like, what just happened? That was, did you see what we saw? Wasn't that Jesus? Yeah, no, that was Jesus. Well, now I know it is because remember all the stuff he was talking as we were walking? Yeah, oh, no, no. That was Jesus. It's amazing. Then they said to each other, did our hearts, I mean, the scripture says it better than I could. Did our hearts not burn within us when he talked to us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures, how could we not see it was him while he was talking? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11. Remember, because Judas was gone. They found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. And he has appeared to Simon and they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them once he broke the bread. Wow. Wow. That was the moment, and this is a theological part of the passage, that was the moment that Jesus revealed himself and they believed. The hopes that had controlled their thinking, their life decisions, their depression, their discouragement, their sinful habits, all that old earthly hope that had let, us, let them down was dissipated in a moment that he broke the bread and he revealed, I am the resurrected Jesus. You were hoping in the pre-resurrected Jesus, that was the wrong Jesus. This is, this, this is the one you're supposed to hope in. This one. Isn't that wild? Can you imagine what they must have been thinking? Let's talk about the devotional part of this passage. What do we do? How do we do it? How do we respond to this story? There are two types of hope in the world. The first one is false hope. You know, the example in this story 
teaches us a lot about false hope, doesn't it? And how it can crush you. False hope can let you down. False hope can lead you astray. False hope can give you bad values. And there are different types of false hope, you know? There is political false hope. Hoping that politicians can inspire you, change things for you. That's the kind of hope that these men had, by the way. It was political hope. Worthless. Worthless. I don't care what party you belong to. Political hope is worthless. Then there's financial hope. Hoping that things will get better in your bank account so you don't have to worry so much. Worthless. Money comes, money goes. The list of people who have lost fortunes is longer than the list of people who have them. Then there's physical hope that you will conquer a disease or that you will get to some point in your life where physically you're okay with how you look or things like that. Physical hope, worthless. It will let you down sooner or later. And then there's circumstantial hope. You hope that something specific will happen that will benefit you or your family. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's certain types of ways you interact with your family. Those are circumstances. And you hope for them. I hope these things come true. Like for me, I hope the Bucks will win another Super Bowl before I die. <laughs> False hope. The problem is, guys, all these types of hope are shallow. They're empty, misguided clouds of wishes. They are undependable. Even if it comes to be, even if this hope comes to be, it's only temporary at best. It could be great one week, and then a hope dashes you the next. It drives bad choices. When we hope for something so badly, we take actions that are selfish, sinful, unbiblical, habitual, and we're trying our best to bring about these hopes that we have on our own. The only way I see this hope happen is if I make it happen. You know what else it does? It will ultimately disappoint you. Even if you get your best case scenario, it's temporary and it will fail. And you know what else happens? It will end in hopelessness. When the reality that what you have hoped for fails, you are like these men in despair. One of the reasons that people struggle with despair so much in this world is because they have put all their eggs, if you will, on Easter in the wrong hope basket. I just thought of that right here. Boom. Was not in the notes. Ting. I hope we recorded that. That's going up on the Facebook page. But guys, I've been so excited about teaching you this all week. Then there's resurrection hope. To me, Al was singing about it that last long. To me, this is the only type of hope that man cannot manufacture, muster, 
infer or bring about on his own. Man cannot choose it on his own. Man cannot reject it on his own. It is supernaturally and divinely created in its inspiration as well as its installation. The men on the road didn't have it until Jesus chose to give it to them. Until he broke the bread and revealed himself. Oh, resurrection hope. Hope for redemption. Hope, you know why some of you found that song so powerful? Because your hope is in the resurrection. Hope for connection with heavenly dad. Hope of eternal security and victory over sin and death. This hope is a byproduct of the gift of faith, divinely inspired and installed in your life. And about this hope, it's never disappointing. Proverbs 23, 18, For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. It changes behavior. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, there, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faith, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one step, one degree of glory to another, gradually as we go along. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You know what else resurrection hope does? It changes and creates humility. As you abandon your own preconceived notions of hope and prosperity, Psalm 25, 8, 9, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore He instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble His way. You know what else resurrection hope does? Man, it brings comfort to the heart, to the soul and flesh. Acts 2.26, therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will also rest in hope. Not political, resurrection. And then lastly, it results in courage. Psalm 27, 13 to 14. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait the word wait really means hope for the Lord. Listen, without resurrection hope, your life, listen, listen carefully, this is important. Without resurrection hope, your life will be one of desperation, thrown about by circumstances and disappointment. No matter what type of hope you have, it rarely comes without a price from someone or something else. And resurrection hope is not free. It cost Jesus dearly on the cross. That's why we had our Good Friday service. To remind us of that. Because resurrection hope, as great as it is, it's impossible without the despair and the anguish without, of the cross and the grave. That very, get this, this is amazing. That very same cross and grave that crushed the false hope of the men who were on the road. It was the very thing that gave us resurrection hope that destroyed their fake hope. Isn't that wild? The thing that gives us freedom gave them despair because they had not embraced resurrection hope yet. 
Those things that dismayed those two men are the very things that lead to our transformation. Because without the cross and the grave, there is no resurrection hope. In an instant, when they went from despair over the cross to adoring its gruesome reality. At one point, I wished the cross had never happened. And now, after they get resurrection hope, I'm so thankful for the cross. And when they met resurrected Jesus for the first time, he revealed himself to them and it changed them forever. Have you met resurrected Jesus yet on the road in your life? Does your hope in him look like the hope these men had before they met Jesus? Like them, have you been trying to fit resurrection hope into an earthly box? Have you been trying to define what hope should look like? Political? Financial? Physical? Circumstantial? Can you imagine how it all changed as resurrected Jesus slowly began to reveal himself to them that day? Step by step, first through teaching them, then just hanging out with them, and then suddenly opening their eyes to who he really was. Perhaps today, in this Easter service, unexpectedly, just like they weren't expecting it. Hey, let's walk down this road. Jesus is going to come and talk to us in just a minute. They didn't know it was going to happen. But perhaps today, in this Easter service, unexpectedly, he has chosen to meet you on your road for the first time. Maybe the darkness of false hope that you have looked to for fulfillment your entire life is fading like this picture of Jesus coming back into view and being replaced with the love of the cross that was once hated and now gives you faith in his resurrection. And once you have an encounter with resurrected Jesus like these men through the gospel and through the gift of faith, you will understand as these men did the difference between false, temporal, earthly hope and resurrection hope. There was a time in my life as your pastor that false hope dominated my decisions, my actions, my values, but the day I met resurrected Jesus, all that changed. I remember about 15 years ago, I was journaling about this. And I remembered that day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take an excerpt from my journal and just put it up there for you. I am glad my life isn't ruled by false hope. I am glad my hope is in the gospel. In the midst of an uncertain world, I live with no uncertainty. I am not a prisoner to temporary false hope that so many around me desperately cling to. I don't hope in politics. I don't hope in money. I don't hope in, hope in circumstances. My hope is in resurrected Jesus and what he has done, is doing, and will do in my heart, my mind, and my eternal soul. Have you met resurrected Jesus? Is he revealing himself to you today? I can promise you, a life with false hope is horrible. But resurrection hope 
man, that's something you can sing about. Dad, resurrection hope, it's so beyond us to believe in, to trust, to see. Thank you that by your sovereign grace, you give us the gift of faith to believe in it. You reveal yourself to us and we embrace it and we are transformed. Today, help us turn our back on false hope and embrace resurrection hope. In Jesus' name, amen.